welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this, this is Life, life Pairings. Pairings. <laughs> because life is hard. So pair it with alcohol. There are fields of wheat, literally as far as you can see, prairie land, and then you descend into a valley and suddenly you're transported back millions of years as today's life pairing is Drum Heller with Discovery Raspberry Ale. Woo! Uh, we discussed <laughs> Subbitimus, Hell's Hole, and Stinky Old Ghost Towns. Oh. Yeah. As a child, I always thought ghost towns were just places full of ghosts. I'm sure that's all what children think. Do you know what? I typed in ghost town and uh, it, it comes up with ghost tours. But I mean, the, ah, yeah. like, it's not really what it's supposed to mean. It means like there were people there and now there's not a bunch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. Um, something I just realized about our intro is that we, for the people listening, um, we know that we're not saying it at the same time. We're trying to, but we yeah. just started thinking it was funny because we were together at first to record this. And then obviously, given the circumstances of the pandemic, there were few opportunities for us to be in the same room. Yeah. So we just started. But now I realize when I hear it, like, it just sounds like we're hammered, which <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like good. way That's too the fast. Essence of the podcast, I guess. Yeah, it's just kind of fuckery, which I, I appreciate. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just like, look at us try to say a thing together. But yeah, I appreciate yeah. it so much. <laughs> Carla, Drum Heller. Mm-hmm. It's a place. It's a it's very a place. magical place. You loved it. I like. I really did. Yeah, I think it's just so such a yeah. unique looking place. Um, yeah, and I like small towns. I'm I'm also afraid of small towns, but because uh, you know, I don't want to be murdered by the, but, the local. Uh, the... <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for what the fear was going to be. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and uh, I don't want to as... hinge on their, you know, their small town. I'm big city girl. Their stupid <laughs> ideas. Their stupid ideas. <laughs> with her big city coat and her slicked back hair <laughs> right oh god you're really painting this as like the wild west where you like ride into town on your fucking white horse with your hair slicked back and people are like oh that's not the Boy, way we do things cool. around here yeah exactly that's so funny you've actually been to drumheller much more than i have because you've worked there in both 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 professions Former, yeah there we go Former yeah. <laughs> profession would... and current profession yeah i was there a bunch actually even as a kid my dad worked out there because he built a lot he built hotels so that's where hotels were going up at the time so okay. i think he's put up like two hotels there and uh yeah so when we were little kids he'd bring me and my brother and it's a small town with lots of great bike riding places because it's all the hoodoos right yeah. So you can just ride around in the Badlands and um, not really get hurt and not be too worried about. And also, we were kid- children of the 90s, so... so it didn't really they, matter? I mean, really didn't <laughs> give a shit where we were or what we were doing. <laughs> there was a time we were to be home, and if we were dead before that time, that was on our own watch. Um, 
mean, I feel like, <laughs> but this was, uh, yeah, we had a blast there. I, when I was young and then as I got a little older, I obviously built some elevators out there. And then beyond that, I've performed out there a bunch. So there is something about small towns that just, uh, beg, of whatever profession I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> they just beg for a Brittany. Just beg for a blue collar worker. Um, <laughs> yeah. I So I, I've spent quite a bit of time. It's like not my favorite place to be in, in all sincerity, but in its a true form of small town, there's not yeah. a lot to do there. There's not, there's not a lot of restaurants. There's not a lot of bars. There's not a lot of shit going on. And I'm kind of, uh, that is the market I'm in the shit going on market. <laughs> you're, you're the shit that is going on. I hopefully am trying to be the shit that's going on. So if they're not interested in it, I just move along. <laughs> uh, but it is an interesting little town and, um, mm-hmm. it has a lot of history. So I, if you're there for a couple hours, it, I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool place, actually. Yeah, there's a little psychology on Drumheller. Would you like to hear? Sure. <laughs> I'm like specifically Drumheller as a psychological, no. as a endeavor. <laughs> no. This is like this is like uh the, when we tried to do the psychology of the movie Christmas Vacation. <laughs> no one's done the study. Um, <laughs> Uh, I focused a little bit more on the fact that Drumheller is kind of a boom and bust town. Right. Uh, they were a coal mining town uh, for a very long time. And so they had a lot of people sort of working and making a lot of money in the town. The town was very prosperous and uh, it was it was going to be kind of a, a big rich place. And then it wasn't. All the coal got mined out of there and people are real sad now. Yeah. I can actually give you some do you want some like stats or whatever numbers dates? Yeah, I'd love to hear some numbers. All right, so it was settled by ranchers in 1897. This town site was bought by Colonel Samuel Drumheller oh. in uh, 1910. They started coal mining in 1911. By 1912, the railroad, the railway was already there. Uh, became a village in 1913, then a town in 1916, a city in 1930. Holy shit. And then World War II and finding oil, coal didn't, was not uh, favored anymore. So that's when it kind of crashed and it reverted actually back to a town in 1998. So now it's technically a, it's technically a town. So it's, it's truly seen a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. It was up, 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 up. And then the depression and the war and everything and then it was just mm-hmm. nothing for a lot of years yeah yeah um i i find uh because i have been there so much and, and my my mom says this as well which i mean has no bearing on anything but she does also <laughs> say this <laughs> that it has a heaviness to it right there's almost i feel like there's just a black cloud hanging over it it's uh there is so much that has happened and then was taken away and right. which I looked into a lot of coal towns have this problem. Mm-hmm. So I actually found a study, but this is a, this was in the United Kingdom, but it, it was a study on uh, coal mining towns mm. and the happiness essentially of the people of those towns after the coal went bust. Right. So the, the article is actually entitled how the industrial revolution sped on uh, uh, neuroticism, but what what it focuses mainly on is that 
these towns that have a lot of pros like a big future mm-hmm. and then everything's taken out of them the people who are neurotic and anxiety just like there is 33 percent higher when compared to the rest of surrounding places so wait say that again so people the who- study found that the contentness was 26 percent lower while neuroticism was on average 33 percent higher when compared to the rest of the country right i guess that makes sense because you know it's a very unstable situation that you're in yeah so it's and and people move to this place so migrants sort of moved mm. into these areas to develop it and yeah. then um and then it, they had all these this hope of like a really big future and then that was taken away from them so yeah. they call it psychological adversity like your right. your brain is preparing for something big to happen and then they take it away and you have to now you're in this like you know you, you battle with adversity you're trying to triumph you're trying to right so there's a little bit of a sense of hope but always this nagging doubt right this this overwhelming sense of gloom and doom and if you talk to people they're like ah yeah you know it's they there is a little bit of a negative uh negative tone in these towns and Mm -hmm. i I, there's lots of coal mining towns in canada and every time i'm in one i really am like god this place is a little dark right like sparwood british columbia is very much like this there is just sort of everybody sort of works in the coal mine the whole town and they're all very dependent on that mine so there's kind of only people who work at the mine and people work for the mine and that's what the town depends on so when when that goes tits up all these people are there's nothing to live for yeah so uh drum heller to me really does to me have this sense of doom and gloom kind of over it and there's so many it's not big Mm-hmm. It's like it developed as far as it was going to and then emptied out and then is only filled with the people who kind of stayed and were like, eh, we just live in Drumheller, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the the exception to this is this is actually where um, we've done a previous episode on the Dinosaur Museum there. Right. So that is the one thing that's kind of a little bit interesting about Drumheller, I suppose, because it's very much like a very, very um, popular and populated area with fossils right against this backdrop of you know a, a, a like a ghost not a ghost town but a going going ghost town. yeah well but there's that facet as well right there's like this intrigue that mm-hmm. is surrounds drum heller so on the you know on the opposite side of the spectrum here i looked up kind of why we are fascinated by ghost towns and right. this the di- there's dinosaur ghosts there <laughs> <laughs> there are <laughs> like not to say but like i mean like this is a nanny old ghost town this is all like this is the oldest <laughs> fucking ghost town you're ever gonna visit <laughs> like so with that there is a, a sense of intrigue from visitors and and i would imagine there's a lot of people who live uh, and work at that museum so to right. contrast sort of that 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 like shit coal town nothing happening dinosaur bone findings and everything like that and the museum being there that's it attracts a lot of people right there's a sense of intrigue there and it's not just with the dinosaur bones when something has abandoned coal mines mm-hmm. they become tourist attractions mhm cuz have pe- the atlas coal mine historic site in Drumheller as well. I think it's just outside of Drumheller. Yeah. 
but that's not coal mine you can go in you like yeah so people are now they're fascinated with this so there's you know i feel like the people sort of in the middle of all of this were the ones that suffered but now yes. the town town it's not quite booming but it is it's a tourist attraction people are fascinated by it there is new things coming to town and it, it continues to to grow so it's there is now a little bit more of a, a hope uh for the town of drumheller i guess but i can see like what you're talking about the the um adversity thing where you kind of don't would not trust that then yeah because i mean it's interesting calgary is going through a little bit of a well it absolutely is because we we uh again bank on another natural resource yeah. non-renewable natural there's resource that. there's only so many dinosaurs that turn into oil so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're kind of in the middle of it and it's a weird space yes. to be in because there's because... very much still a well maybe we'll go back to the other thing and then just very much well maybe we should move on to new things but that's very scary and like very un, un um you can't really depend on anything so well in the boom people are very much let's party let's yes. <laughs> let's let it rip let's you know like frivolous with money mm -hmm. and no one believes this guy's gonna fall and then when it does now you have to deal with a gen the next generation of people who are constantly worried about the sky falling. Yeah. And I think with a lot of, I don't know if this is true in most boom and bust towns, but it, a lot of the times it's a, a, a not super highly educated workforce. So if you think like gold mining or people that worked in like car factories, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of like unskilled labor that get, gets picked up. And then, so and then they become in in the defense of that industry or any any blue collar industry. Then they become incredibly skilled labor, exactly, but and then, only in that realm, exactly. And so then you're stuffed because. Let you me know. tell you this: when I got laid off from uh, being an elevator mechanic, which would happen every couple three four years, and it was just kind of part of the industry, right. uh, <laughs> fucking. EI calls and just like tries to set you up with a new job and they were just like right. can't you be a car mechanic and I was like no <laughs> and I was like I'm an elevator mechanic and they're yeah. like and they were just like what does that even mean and you're like different and parts I, one only travels up and down and then the other one just <laughs> so much side to side and back and forth it's crazy yeah um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what happens. I mean, I was I was a skilled, you know, skilled worker in this very specific industry and then when the industry no longer had work, I was I was no longer skilled. Right. I was yeah. like, "Oh, this skill doesn't transfer." <laughs> so, yeah. 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 And a lot of those people that are going into those jobs, they bring families and then suddenly they're you know, they're without a job, they've got families that are depending on them. Yeah. Especially people moving across the world even across the country to go to that you know yeah yeah so yeah so anyways so the whole thing is that uh it is there are a lot of different elements to this little uh, city here well town here in alberta mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um a lot of good stuff a lot of bad stuff a lot of uh, it's just an interesting dynamic there and i feel i can feel it when i go there i'm like this is yeah. This town doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, sorry, did you say you know we know why we like ghost towns? Oh, it's just the intrigue of the past. It's like um mm. you for some reason 
people love seeing remains of things. I guess it's that short. I can never say that word. Seeing, not seeing other people suffer, but seeing like a tragedy kind of car crash. Uh, Yeah. Like the remains of a place that no one lives there anymore. Yeah. We loved, like, I honestly, for the exact same reason, watched this show called Abandoned Mansions. Oh, it's actually not even a show. It's just on YouTube. And it's just like a little thing that somebody does. And he goes to abandoned mansions. And you're just like, see these gorgeous places with just like cobwebs on them. And it excites me for some reason. I'm like, oh, I think it it also allows you to use your imagination a little bit because you can kind of make it what you want. Yes. In our dinosaur episode as well, you're Mm -hmm. you're sort of imagining where they were and what they were doing. And yeah. it, that goes the same for, like, this town used to be, like, in the 20s was thriving. Yeah. What did it look like? What were people doing? What did that? You sort of start to imagine this and it gets away from you. And then mm-hmm. seeing those, like, their ruins. Oh, man, this used to, this crumbled so fast. It's just a fascinating, yeah. all it is truly is a fascination with right. just, like, what was, what could have been yeah and you're sort of standing on the ground of it's the feeling you get when you walk down cobblestone streets uh you know in in europe and you're like oh my god these are just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old yeah thousands some of them and i'm sure too like there may i don't know but maybe there's like a little bit of element of see that's what happened to these like in my head it would be see what happened to these people that could happen to you oh god and then you go down an anxiety route. But some people, I'm sure, would be like, oh, I'm so thankful that, you know, this is, you know, my house has not got cobwebs and has not been taken over by the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, and so the, there is actually a little bit of a, a phrase from it. It's called uh, ruin lust. Oh. Um, and it's from the German, German word uh, ruin lust. It's okay. overview of artists' obsessions with the crumbling and dissipated, uh, or sorry, dilapidated. Right. It's just the people's obsession with seeing something that was that that stopped being. Mm-hmm. It's like a. It's they say it's a real mixture of emotions that include horror, nostalgia, regret, but also some sort of th- thrill and sublime excitement all mixed into one. Yeah. So it's I definitely like, get the horror and the like. It's kind of like a, a good you know, like the high that you get from from horror because, you know, like it might be an abandoned mine, but technically it's safe because you're allowed to go in there unless you're not supposed to be in there. Um, yeah. It's like a safe high and like same with being in a town that nobody's there anymore. I mean, really, you're not going to go there like by yourself at three o'clock in the morning. That's probably not a great idea because maybe yeah. it's not a totally ghost town. No, but, but it... <laughs> It's uh, it's it's definitely like it, people like it, and I'm actually I'm reading off of um, this is uh, again another article from the UK from uh, BBC.com, but yeah, they, they're specifically talking about ancient ruins, and then they even go into like modern ruins, like when you go to Detroit, and you right. see a city that was that just like went broke, yeah, and just artists love to be there and paint it and feel it and. Yeah, it's it's uh, ruin lust is is the the name they've given it. Yeah, kind of huh. cool, yeah. very cool. Have you got a little history for us, Carla? I do. I'm going to go a little bit more into the coal mining, just because I don't know. Growing up in Alberta, my grandpa was a coal miner. My dad worked for a little while in a coal 
My brother's Fine. a coal miner. And your brother's a coal miner. Yeah. Um, is he dead? Is he, he not coal? Is it? Yep. He, oh. he's, yeah, he's in an open face mine um, in Sparwood. And he uh, he used to drive the big trucks that would take the coal down the mountain. Oh. Uh, but now he's kind of, he oversees that process happening. So, right. Yep. But he is a, he is a coal miner. Oh. Yeah. So you can actually see, we kind of have talked about how weird Drumheller looks. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can actually see like the stripes of the sort of rock different rock formations and years and whatever all that means. But um, you can actually see the black stripes in the badlands of of this Red Deer River Valley that is the coal. And so actually uh, Blackfoot and Cree indigenous people knew about the black rock that burned, but they didn't use it. (laughs) Do you know what? That's a great, the great, that's like a great name for a coal documentary, (laughs) the black rock that burns. (laughs) Doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. That would intrigue me. Um, and apparently, I didn't know that we went back this far, but white explorers reported coal in the area as far back as 1792. And so people would just use them, use it to heat their homes. Like there was no real commercialization of it until 1911 when that Samuel Drumheller guy came in. Right. Sort of said 1911 is when the first coal mine opened. So if there were 50, I'm not sure if this is 50 people at the coal mine or 50 people in the city. 50 people in 1911 and 12,000 five years later. Whoa. Yeah. So that's a lot. 50 people in 1911 and then 12,000. How many? 12,000. This is off a of YouTube video, so I'm hoping that it's correct. But I, I would imagine it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and I mean, like, that, oh, sorry. that's pretty quick for a city to, like, back. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine just, like, from nothing to a whole bunch. But I mean, like, if you look at, this was kind of a, during that period of the gold rush. San Francisco would have been around this time. Klondike was around this time. And they, you know, these were crazy, crazy boom places. Well, uh, not to sidetrack here, but Calgary was very much that. Like, it was nothing. And then, I mean, it was like just like a city of like under a million for a very long time. Yeah. We were a city of five or six hundred thousand. That's a pretty small city. And then in under five years, we were over a million. Right. And the whole city was just desperately trying to catch up. The train system, house building, condo building, infrastructure. Like, it just was, it went from, it. you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we witnessed a modern day version of <laughs> yeah. that, which was just, oh my God. And I, it's come a long way, but it, it, it was interesting to see for sure as somebody was born and raised here. Like, yeah. it's like, holy shit, this town has doubled. Well, I'm going to actually bring up infrastructure because that's a very interesting part of well, any kind of boom thing. I think at one point they, after them, this is just a weird fact that I can't really remember the whole thing of, but like people would um, take their boats into San Francisco during the gold rush and then just abandon the boats on the side. And so actually, if you go to San Francisco, they just actually made, they like built out the city on top of abandoned boats. Really? Yeah. I wish I could remember more of that. But anyways... So actually, the the mines in Drumheller were actually not as bad as many other mines would have been. Um, they were so they had flat lying seams uh, rather than in a mountain. They're going to be like a they're going to be steeply pitched. 
Um, a lot of the times, like the one, the Atlas one, you can actually stand up and hack away at the coal, which seems like a luxury, I guess, is the thing that's happening. <laughs> they are also closer to the surface a lot of the time. So actually, people would say that they would go into their cellars and they could hear miners talking because <laughs> they were like right just underneath. You're basically your basement. Yeah. Bob Moffat, who has, is in a couple of um, YouTube videos about this area, he talks about working on the uh, railway track for $5.60 a day. And then he found out his friends were working at the mine and they were getting paid $9.25 per day. So like almost doubling their wage. So this brought in workers across Canada and Britain and Eastern Europe. And so by 1912, so 1911, one coal mine opened. There were nine now by 1912. Really? Holy shit. That's a lot of coal mines. That's a lot of coal mines. And like, like a lot. It's not a big area. So the other thing is that it's... uh, Subbitumous coal? Mm-hmm. That's not right. Subbitumous, sure. Yeah. <laughs> which is basically... We learned about that in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is basically immature. So it means that it hasn't had long enough to build up a strong concentration of methane gas. And methane gas is like one of the biggest killers in coal mines. So that's why oh, it's slightly safe. Yeah, that's what the, that's like the canary methane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like the, the canary would alert people yeah. by dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, get those canaries. And also it was kind of a good, it just kind of lucked out in a lot of ways so that it was, it was this different kind of uh, scheme. Uh, it was different kind of coal. It was also uh, opened later. So mines had been going quite a while by then. Um, so working conditions had already been sort of fought for in mines and so it was kind of assumed i guess to have better ventilation have wash houses and have higher safety standards or just any safety standards let's be honest yeah. oh there was there was very few i i have a, I, I have a feeling it looks a lot like that level in donkey kong country <laughs> <laughs> which was my favorite yeah. level on uh on super nintendo uh, which is just like you're in an, a mine cart yes. and there's just like you could plummet to your death at any time. <laughs> you had to be 14, though, to work underground. So no no boys could work there under 14. So, Well, that's responsible. <laughs> you know what? I know a couple of 14-year-olds that could use a job and a good slap. I mean, they're small. They can get right in there. Um, so <laughs> they can get right in there. This is, this is before. So it did open up before. So the Hillcrest mine disaster happened in 1914. So it did open before this, um, but I'm sure it was affected by all the health and safety standards that came in after that happened. Um, Mm -hmm. But the issue is, like you said, infrastructure. So they open up all these mines and then there's nowhere to live. So mine camps... That sounds funny. (laughs) 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 Hey, I I hear there's a book called that. (laughs) That's where he got the name title. Um, (laughs) so these camps for the miners, they called them hell's hole because people were living in tents or shacks with little sanitation or comfort. Like there was literally nothing there. Um, obviously going to be a lot of men. So lots of drinking, gambling and watching each other fight as, (laughs) as that's all men do when they're left alone to their own devices. 
Yeah, they just sexually harass each other and fight. Really, <laughs> I've, I, I, in all in, in all sincerity, I've been on a lot of job sites, and that's all that's happened. Yeah, a lot of ball bag grabbing, <laughs> a lot of fighting for no reason. There and slowly, women came and homes were built up, and and life did improve. <laughs> life improved when girls were like, guys, Stop. can we just like get it? Let's not a futon on the floor is not a bad, yeah, huh? Yeah, let's wash our towels. Let's hang our towels. <laughs> Hey, we don't use the same towel to step on that we wipe our bums and face with, right? <laughs> Let's just do that. So, and it was a very unique kind of place because suddenly, because there was all of these people coming over, um, they would sort of talk about how, you know, you would go downtown and there's all these languages from all over Europe being spoken. Uh, and it wow. became known as the wonder of the West. So it went from hell's hole to the wonder of the West. Um, going back to this subbitumous coal... Um, it was really good for heating homes and cooking food, which heating homes ideal for Canada because we have really long, hard winters. Yeah, real cold yeah. here. It's um uh, quite beneficial to our uh, quality of life to not be sleeping in minus thirty. Yes, exactly. Um, but with, <laughs> if there was a, a milder weather, so including summertime, uh, miners would get laid off very easily. There was also a thing that um, many of the mi- men were contract miners, so that meant that they were only paid for how much coal they hauled out of the mine. That meant they had to pay for their own tools, union fees, and doctor fees, because obviously it's not not too safe. Uh, in drum- <laughs> they're, they're like, listen, we could kill you, but you're going to have to pay for yeah. that. <laughs> In Drumheller Valley, at least 207 men died in rock falls, machinery accidents, and explosions. So, God. back around 1919, um, like I said, they all show up here. There's a massive influx of people, like we talked about. It may have gone from 500 to 12,000. I don't know if that's correct, because that just sounds crazy. Uh, but there was no housing, no running water, no plumbing. Uh, also, guess what happens when you are all intense in the summer, in the springtime? Disease. Oh, yeah. Also, God guess what else is happening in 1919, 1918? Oh, the Spanish flu. Yeah, so it was not good there. Um, I did read a, a an article of a nurse going to work there, and, you know, they were like, it's quarantined, it's shut off. So that's yeah. So what I'm learning is we actually have a lot in common with these people. I know. <laughs> Basically, we're back in in Drum Heller. So in 1919, 6,500 miners all over Alberta walked off the job over wages, cost of living allowance, and working and living conditions. Uh, but all of this happened is fairly nonviolent, except for in the Red Deer River Valley, where Drum Heller is. So, uh, the owner of Rosdale Mine hired returning World War I soldiers to keep his mine open during the strike. So, people would have been coming back from the war. So, they had an influx of people they could hire. The Royal Northwest Mounted Police at this time and the Alberta Provincial Police were called in to protect the mine. But they were only focusing on keeping the peace at the mines rather than, like, what else was going on in the valley and in the town. So they were just trying to keep these guys from murdering each other? Yeah, basically. But but not in town, right? And so mine companies hired these special constables. 
because you know how mine companies can hire constables uh, to persuade minors to go back to work. They were paid $10 a day and given free alcohol at the end of the day. Uh, They were also issued pickaxes, brass knuckles, and crowbars to patrol the streets, intimidating minors. Also, also they were given alcohol, so they were drunk and doing this. Not a great idea. You know what makes me sad time and time again is that we, as a species, learn that we will work for booze. (laughs) It is a common trope. Yep. They know where to... I have performed so many times because people are just like, no, I'll give you a free towel, but I'm like, let's see who comes out on top. (laughs) It's not going to be... Yeah. Uh, They would hang strikers upside down by their feet. They would take them out of town, beat them, and leave them there. They even rushed, like, strikers' homes. And eventually this all calmed down, and only one person was arrested. Would you like to get which side of person, which side of the... uh, conflict this person was on (laughs) i I that was probably the minor yep so a striking minor was charged with an illegal possession of a firearm (laughs) i'm like well probably because there was a bunch of people outside drunk assholes with brass knuckles and crowbars banging on his door waking his probably kids up and Dude, that's like that's lawless. Yeah. Like to to hire a police. Like that's I mean, holy fuck, nineteen eighty. Yeah. <laughs> Although, may I preface mm. this with, we'll just follow the restrictions so we can all move on with life. But <laughs> when they were when the government was trying to get the police to like tell people they can't walk on the streets, yeah. even the police was like, no. Yeah. You know, if if things are getting out of hand and they need something done and it's getting in the way of making money, the government's going to make some wild decisions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that's really what that's what happened here is like they were like, oh, we, you know, Um, we need to continue making money in this coal town. So we're just going to police these people how we see fit. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a podcast um, which features one of the guys, Joe Vicker, who makes I don't know. We found out about him from the um brewery we went to he's a singer and also he makes coffee and he was on a podcast uh the workers liberation coalition podcast um okay. in the 1919 drumheller strike and there's also somebody there that's a historian from atlas mine so they talk into much more detail about it but yeah it didn't seem like a great great thing to be involved in i mean like it's interesting well, and it's like a it's like a safer place than a lot of other places, mm-hmm. but also not. But this all lends itself back to the conversation of this dark looming mm-hmm. cloud over that. And then yeah, like I said, after World War Two, so oil was actually struck in Leduc in nineteen forty eight, and that is when natural gas became the fuel of choice for heating homes rather than dirty coal. <laughs> Right on. And we, you know what is, looking back, it's so nice to know that we've done no damage with (laughs) natural gas. And (laughs) thank Christ we switched. Good thing we've learned Um, our lessons about boom and bust things. Yeah, we'll never, hey, we'll never rely on a non-renewable resource Mm -hmm. again. Lesson learned. I'm just glad history doesn't repeat itself so we we never feel (laughs) stupid. You know, we always learn our lessons. (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, just like it's just like you're reading a historical story that's just like so adjacent yeah. to this, like exactly what's happening. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a news story that maybe I got a happier news story that for you, lovely. Buddy. Okay, this is just um, speaking of boom. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, um, there's a fun little place to go here in uh, Drumheller called Barney's Adventure Park. Oh, <laughs> um, like Barney we didn't the have dinosaur? a chance to go. Yeah, like Barney the dinosaur. Yeah. So there's all kinds of things to do here. There's rot. There's little rides. There's activities. There's you can go and hunt for fake dinosaur bones. Mm. You can. Uh, like all different kinds of things it's pretty neat yeah um yeah and it's just like they've never had enough it's it's pretty cool that they there's so much you know foot traffic through Drumheller that they can have a an adventure park mm. uh it looks pretty okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it looks like there's a lot of stuff to do man there's like there's boingy castles mm-hmm. you can there's hamster races there's all kinds of fun stuff so Anyways, that's a, a fun little place. Look on Barney's uh, Adventure Park um, Drumheller. It's just called barneysdrumheller.com. Yeah. And it's a fun little thing to do when you're there because, like I said, there's like there's not a ton. No. But you can tr- you could fill a couple of days and have a blast out yeah. there. Yeah. And this place looks really fun. Uh, so I don't know if that's much of a news story, but it's new and it's cool. <laughs> and I was excited by yeah. it. So there you have that's it. fun. The news. The news. Um, the news. <laughs> <laughs> so we should we talk about the uh, the drink? Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, this is oh boy. Um, I gotta say, we went. Uh, if you have listened to our dinosaur episode, you'll know that we were at uh, Valley Brewing mm-hmm. in Drumheller, and it's real good. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm so. Uh, not like I mean I'm not. I Alberta has really good beer. Yeah. So this one was what? What do you want to read? Do you have the can have handy? The can. Yes. So give us a read. The Discovery Raspberry Ale. It's a perfect blend of real raspberries with a blonde yep. ale base, fresh jam aroma, and very ref- and a very refreshing flavor. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Fun. Pun time. Penning. We're having a pun time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is 4.8%. That's good. The one, other one we got from there was 8.8. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, here's a hot tip. Don't on an empty stomach mm-hmm. drink two cups of coffee and then an 8.8% <laughs> beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the one thing with this brewery, the Valley Brewing, um, they try to base their beers on the history of the area which is kind of cool so um yeah and this one uh this beer i found so refreshing yeah again another ale another ale that i like but it was delicious so good. yeah it definitely you definitely can taste the like real actual raspberry in it it tastes like if you made something with raspberries yeah, not, not like- if someone made like manufactured raspberry flavor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which i've had a lot of raspberry beers and they all seemed like they're good they're all good but they taste a little like they manufactured that raspberry flavor yeah this is just like tastes like uh, yeah it's like they made a really good beer and then put raspberries yeah <laughs> That's yeah it and it's not too hoppy it's 
Um, this is a 20 IBU. I don't know what that means. No. Yeah, it's it's not hoppy at all. I didn't think no. so. It, they they say the, the finish is tart, a little sour, a little dry, which I would agree with. Yeah, I'll get the dry. I don't, I don't know too tart or sour. Not as much as I'm used to in a, in kind of any yeah, kind of, um, in a fruit, fruit forward beer. Yeah, exactly. So, no, this is, this yeah. is quite easy, easy drinking. It was easy drinking. Um, I actually powered, I don't have one right now. And, uh, that's a good thing because I drank all of them. Right. I bought four and powered through them. So, no. uh, they were actually quite, quite good. Is there a little story on the can? There is. Could we hear it? Sure. So, in 1884, geologist J.B. Tyrell of the Royal Tyrell Museum uh, stumbled upon the skull of a 70 millionaire... Millionaire? <laughs> Sorry, I don't think that's that funny. <laughs> <laughs> We've been a millionaire dinosaur. Sometimes we record more than one episode in a day, and uh, you should know that we're a little loopy. Yeah. But- Oh goodness! He that he found the skull of a seventy. <laughs> nope. Now I, just, now I just see a little dinosaur with a little hat, um, <laughs> and like a you know one of those old school spectacles, like in one eye. He's counting yeah. his money, but he's having trouble because yeah, his arms a... are so short. Oh, his arms are just too little, and he's got a monocle that keeps falling out of his eye socket. (laughs) Anyways, Tyrell found a uh, skull of a 70-million-year-old Albertosaurus while looking for coal seams along the Red Deer Valley. Thanks to the rich collection of fossil sites, Drumheller has since earned its rightful title as the dinosaur capital of the world. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Um... and I'll, again, I'll say uh, about the brewery. Uh, it was mentioned in the in the uh, dinosaur episode, but mm-hmm. the Valley Brewery is like a really nice little place, mm-hmm. and they're very friendly. And when we walked in, it was like, you know what? What could we pair with this? They were so helpful. They were like, "What do you guys think of this?" Yeah. We, we, you know, got some tasters, and we sat out in the garden, and they were very attentive. And um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the experience out there. Yeah, it was very it was very nice. One thing to definitely check out when you're in Drumheller. Um, yeah, but you, I mean, you, like you said, you can kind of do like two days, three days, maybe. Uh, yeah, right I mean, there. if you want it, if you wanted to like go out, do the museum, do the coal mines, go to Barney's, go to Valley <laughs> Brewing. Valley Brewing has some kind of vested uh, interest in this Barney's. Is yeah, that where I your guess. next show is? I found it on this. <laughs> yeah, it's a Barney's. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? My dad's company built put built this theme park. Oh, okay. But- I don't have, I have, I, we don't have stock, right. but no. I hear it's good. I hear it's cute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I, I, uh, I'd go back to Drumheller. Yeah, I think so. I'd like fun. to see a little more, more stuff around there. I'd like to do the more kind of go the coal mine routes yes. and the ghost tours and the, that's what I'd like. To I do had no idea it was such a coal mining place. I just thought I didn't either because it doesn't look like that. No, I mean I'm used to like coal mines. Like I grew up spending a lot of my time in Coleman, yeah, uh, in the Crow's Nest Pass, and so to me that's. I mean I always assume mines under mountains. Is that a song? Yep, mines, mines under, under mountains. mountains. <laughs> it it well if it if it isn't it should be, <laughs> and we have the digital rights to it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I, I have visited a, a few other, I've, I visited the coal mine that, uh, 
they say did not trigger Frank slide. Right. On the <laughs> other side. Yeah, which a hundred percent it did. And there was like a huge mining accident there like a month before, but at the Hillcrest mine. Oh, that's the Hillcrest. Yeah, if you I love one day I'll talk about the Hillcrest mine disaster. It is Yeah. Bonkers. We should do an episode yeah, on that it's actually. Very crazy. Uh and it and then essentially an entire mountain fell down and buried a town like three months later and then they were like, I don't <laughs> see a correlation. Anywho. I think well, I think there was that the the big Hillcrest mine explosion happened in nineteen fourteen and the Frank Slide, I think I believe it was in nineteen 19- one and the only reason i know that is because that's like the first historical fact i ever learned really so it happened way before yeah but there were mines that whole time and there was a mine underneath uh uh, underneath that mountain hillcrest is across from it um it's across from it yeah it's not a you know what don't you're playing with fire here guys literally a lot of the time Literally, yeah, you're playing with methane <laughs> at the very least. It's not a fun as place. As we've learned be. quite deadly. Yeah. Um, Have you got any fun facts for I us? do. One thing that we missed was mm. the Creationist Museum. Oh, good grief. And it's the first um, Creationist Museum to open in Canada. Uh, this is a quote from Wikipedia. The institution is dedicated to promoting creation science and young earth creationism as a faith-based alternative to biological evolution as presented <laughs> in natural history museums. What the fuck is um, young earth creations? <laughs> yo, buddy, young earth creation sounds like a cult that's mm-hmm. just gonna get real hinky oh, yeah. real quick. Doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds like You're, there's gonna be young a- earthers. They're young earthers. They're just going to plant a few plants, wear maroon yeah. for a little bit. Then maroon. it's going to get totally out of hand. Uh, <laughs> nothing's the, the entire title contradicts itself. It's basically like, we know you think we're dumb, <laughs> but, but it's like we are in con. It's like in contrast to biological evolutionary science. That's what the phrasing was. was yes. It? Good grief. Mm-hmm. In what? Is there so we there are dinosaurs there and there are fossils there? I assume I can't, I don't know. I didn't look into it because that's not a rabbit hole I wanted to go into. But oh, I think the museum has like you know, they have fossils, so that whether they're saying that I don't know, God hid fossils because he's bored, I'm not sure. Uh, you know what it was? Mm -hmm. It was an Easter egg hunt, Ah, of course. Yeah, 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 we're just put this together it's a puzzle <laughs> and i will test your faith yeah um <laughs> uh, they also uh, oh sorry no love that i love that idea <laughs> i actually commented on this i did a show out there one time oh, yeah. and i commented on the fact that there was a creationist church next to the museum and i laughed and i laughed and they did not <laughs> care for that <laughs> I mean, I wish I would have given up, given it up like five minutes in, but I couldn't stop. I was like, what? I was like, oh, we have to have a conversation. Oh, this see, is crazy. It's the, it's those big city girls coming in with their Come science <laughs> ideas, your slick back hair, and your fucking nonchalant attitude. Uh, they also like in Drumheller have the world's largest dinosaur. It is not a real dinosaur. 
or even a dinosaur skeleton. It was completed in 2000. It is seven stories high. It is. We've been to the top. We have. We actually, so we went, I still can't figure out when we went. Many years ago and a lot of pounds ago. Uh, a lot of pounds ago. We had some, yeah, there was some real self-discovery when we were comparing our old pictures to our <laughs> new pictures. I was like, oh, God, we fucking got fat, huh? <laughs> I think our fashion sense got slightly better, but. Um, uh, I think so. Uh, so we'll do some uh, some comparison, you know, photos to photos. So you can yeah. see how much we've grown. <laughs> <laughs> other ways a hundred percent yeah so yeah that's uh that's drum heller that's drum heller well i had a i had a blast there and like i said i'd go back mm-hmm. i appreciated it and i you know what more than anything just get out of your city go see what go explore around you see what's out there there's a i gotta tell you there's probably a little brewery in every little town across canada and across the u.s right now like you just you can dip in and out of there like you know and have a little experience and a little history story that you probably didn't even know about you bet your sweet ass um well i guess this is the first time we've done a city as a life pairing um but I think we'll kind of continue that on as a series. Maybe we'll do some small towns. Maybe we'll go to a big city. Maybe we'll do I feel like now I'm too small city of it to go to a big city. I know. Well, it'll be. I mean, I enjoy this little like small town. Uh, <laughs> this is actually just like my uh, co- my comedy career trajectory. Anyways, mm-hmm. it's just fort forts and ports. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can catch me on my forts and ports tour. Yeah. I. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Well, if you guys liked it, let us know. Uh, and if you want us, if you can think of a, a city with a lot of history and a, and a fun place to go and maybe pair uh, a drink with, hit us up. Let us know in the in the comments or you can DM us on Instagram. We're at Life Pairings Podcast on Insta. Uh, Facebook, we're at Life Pairings Podcast as well. And uh, as always, uh, you can head over to our website, www.lifeparentspodcast.com. And if you click the button on the top right corner, the Patreon, uh, you can check out uh, some extra little bonus content we got going on. Uh, We have three different levels of bonus content. The first one is only three bucks and you get... Uh, all the all the extra episodes we're doing which feature our tragically hip series and our summer series that we're currently doing so head over there man yeah we really appreciate you guys listening we do this every single week every thursday you can hear us uh on any streaming app you listen to your podcasts on uh as always we're brought to you by uh the lovely cho podcast network um they are fantastic i encourage you to go and check out some of the other podcasts that are on there uh a good friend of mine Noor kidway has a wonderful podcast bobby warner and randy newmeyer have an incredibly funny podcast called uh so you ruin the party there's like a million on there. yeah there's pretty few i'm very good uh and we appreciate you thank you so much for listening thanks guys Bye.